Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you looking for that one-of-a-kind Christmas or birthday gift? If so, head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com and check out the best gifts for outdoorsmen for 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsmen on your list. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best fishing gifts for outdoorsmen and check it out. And brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Hey guys, if you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and they do an incredible job around the state of Alabama and the Georgia, Tennessee. So if you're thinking about building a lake, if you're thinking about redoing an existing pond or lake that you have, restocking, fertilizing, liming, these guys do it all and they do it well. It's what they do for a living. So they're really good at it. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brian Sand. Hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I know we did, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure I cooked the best prime rib on my green egg I've ever had in my life. It was unbelievable. Just a table full of good food, good family times, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it as well. Hey, it is Alabama, and been cold and i like that because I, I like chasing them deer a little bit but man walk out there today it feels amazing 70 degrees just a beautiful day beautiful time in, in our state right now and guys let me tell y'all we've got a special show today i've been looking forward to this for the last few weeks and y'all gonna know why i've been looking forward to it in just a little while but we're gonna do the show a little bit different today we're going to have three people on at the same time. And then uh, we got Norman with Southeastern Pond Management. He's going to be bringing us the management minute on the second half of the show. But the first half of the show, to start this thing out, can't wait for you guys to hear from Logan Park and Tucker Smith with the Auburn fishing team. What an exciting last few weeks, life-changing event that's happened to these guys. If you don't know about it, I can't wait for y'all to hear from these guys about it. Logan Tucker, what's going on, guys? What's up? Man, well, we just got to start. Y'all both have been on the show uh, numerous times and, and obviously love having y'all in here. And I, man, I I tell people about you guys all the time, even people that don't listen to the show about how impressive that you guys are to me. Cause I, you know, I, I host a show. I have professional anglers calling in from all over the state and some guys have been doing it 15, 20, some 30 and some, you know, 40 years, they've been guiding fishing trips and Obviously, those guys have tremendous knowledge. They know what fish are doing, and they know how to catch them, and it's great to hear. But then I get you guys on, and it's like you ain't behind that at any. any. I mean, y'all's knowledge of how to locate fish and catch them, to me, it's mind-boggling to me because you're just so far ahead of where I am with it. But let's just start 
with what tournament did y'all fish? Y'all, y'all just tell y'all. I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna listen to y'all. So y'all just tell me about <laughs> you what happened here recently. I guess I'll tell I'll tell the first half and I'll let Tucker finish it out. Pretty crazy, you know, past three or four weeks or so. So it started, you know, towards the beginning of November. Well, I guess back in October, Tucker's dad texts us and he says, You guys want to sign up for this? It's a last chance qualifier for the Bass Pro Shops tournament that Johnny Morris is putting on. And if you if you come in the top thirty or forty or whatever it was, you get to advance to the championship which is a million-dollar first-place prize. So we're like, you know, of course we want to fish that. Yeah, we'd love to. So we signed up for it. Uh, we got picked to fish the tournament, and it was the last-chance qualifier on Bull Shoals in Arkansas. So that tournament was on a Wednesday. But backtrack to that weekend before, we had a college tournament in South Carolina on Lake Wiley. So Tucker and I fished that tournament. We're lucky enough to be able to come in the third place of that one. And we actually slung an ear in the middle of the tournament. So we had no prop and we had to drive 15 hours to Arkansas. So I rode back in with a buddy, took our fish back into the ramp, um, weighed in, finished third, drove to a different ramp, picked Tucker up. We drove all the way to Kentucky Lake and met Matt Robertson and got a prop from Matt Robertson. I guess we got his lucky prop. (laughs) And so from there, we drove to Bull Shoals, had a day and a half of practice. And uh, we were able to come in 13th place and qualify for the million-dollar tournament. Hey, I like the way the story's starting off. That's pretty amazing just right there to overcome all that and, uh, yeah, and qualify. (laughs) So, Tucker, what happened after that? We qualified at Bull Shoals, and we came in 13th place. They took the top 40. And so that tournament was on Wednesday, like Logan said, and the championship started on Friday. So we really – didn't have much time to practice. You know, we actually had half a day of practice because we had to get off the water around one o'clock to go to the registration meeting and all that stuff. So got half a day of practice and we kind of used the same techniques that we, that we, uh, used it, um, that we used at Bull Shoals and we applied them at Table Rock. And so we didn't have much time. So we went graphing and that's how we caught them at Bull Shoals. We graphed and we used our side scan and found the bait fish and the fish were on bait fish. And so we graphed a bunch of places that looked like the same places at Bull Shoals that we found. We really couldn't find much. We were graphing around some creeks and creek channels and couldn't find the bait that we wanted. I don't mean to cut in right there, but I just, I just want to, to get a little better understanding of this. So when you're talking about grafting, you're, you're literally, you're just riding in your boat, not fishing, looking at your side scan in places that you feel like the right kind of environment and the right depth and right situation for the bait fish and the bass to be in, you're literally just riding, looking at your graph, correct? Yes, sir. We didn't, I don't think we made one cast. I think we might've made one cast in practice for the championship. I think we caught one, uh, one fish and we just went graphing the whole day. So we really didn't, we really didn't, you know, fish a lot we just used our electronics and trust our electronics because that's how we comment bull shoals so we knew that we knew that we could use our electronics to find those fish and so we grabbed a bunch of those creeks at table rock uh like we did at bull shoals but at table rock they weren't really in the creeks for us so we had to move out on the main lake and look out on the main lake and there was tons of bait on the main lake and where we started grafting and we ended up fishing for 
those fish on day one of the tournament. I mean, you could see the fish in the bait balls. They were under the bait balls on side skin. You could see them like blowing holes through the bait, you know, actively feeding. So we knew that there was fish in the area and we marked about, I'd say, 10 or 15 places that had a good amount of bait. And then we started day one of the tournament and we caught 13 pounds day one. And second day, they combine your total weight and the combined total weight of top 50 makes it to the last champion, you know, the last day of the championship. So uh, we caught 13 pounds day one. We went back out there and caught 13 pounds again day two. So we knew we had a good shot at making the final day because um, after day one, we were in 10th. And after day two, we were in eighth place. And so we made the top 50 and then they zeroed the weights the last day. So it was any man's ball game in the top 50. So whoever caught the biggest bag wins a million dollars. So we went into the third day with an open mind and really just went fishing and had fun. We just had to find the right bait fish and the right fish um, that were actively feeding to catch them. And it wasn't like a spot, one location that they were in the bait fish, you know, move around a lot and they are actively uh running around and fish are chasing them so you really had to stay on the trolling motor stay on the big motor until you found those bait those bait balls and then you could actually catch them so we ended up finding a new spot championship day that had really good quality fish three plus pounders and we kind of focused our time in on that area and about 10 o'clock to 10 30 we caught uh, most of our weight and we caught about 15 pounds in 30 minutes. All right, hold on, um, hold on, hold on right there. Just a second, just a second. Okay. Before you go any further on that, guys, we're going to take just a brief break and we're going to hear from one of this week's sponsors. One in four hooks in the world is made by Mustad Fishing. See why they're the best-selling hook brand in the world and enjoy 25% off your next order at mustad-fishing.com by using code GREATDAYS at checkout. And brought to you by the Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms. And that's where the Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items are also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or a knife. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. 
All right. Welcome back, guys. Can't wait to hear the rest of this story, man. Uh, had to interrupt you there for a second, but uh, we've got to get that in and wanted to give you this uh, give you this time now to go ahead and finish out this amazing story. I'll let Tucker finish it out. I mean, we knew it was the afternoon bite. We never really got too down on ourselves because we knew that, you know, we, we weren't catching too many fish until 10. Um, we had the camera guy in our boat, though, so it did give us a little bit more pressure to, you know, catch them. We had one 15-incher at 10, 10.30. We drove past the place. We'd never fished before the whole tournament, the whole week we'd been there, or I guess the past three days that we'd been there. And uh, there was a bunch of birds diving. And it was literally like the good Lord and Aaron Martins were watching over us and telling us, you know, to fish that spot because the birds were diving. So we pulled up, we caught 15 pounds in a matter of 30 minutes and a four pound smallmouth, and we hadn't caught a fish much over three pounds the whole week we'd been there so we were pretty excited about that and uh you know we we knew immediately that we were probably going to make some pretty good money because the payout because <clears throat> the payout was pretty good for that tournament and it was actually insane so i was like tucker we probably just made you know 20 grand a piece yeah <laughs> I mean, we're probably gonna five with what we have we actually caught some decent fish you know we had a four pounder um i think we had you know, another one that was like a three and a quarter. And so we had, we had some two and a half and like a three pounder and we had room to grow. So I was like, you know, if we could get, you know, one more big bite or just a couple more good fish, we could probably, I mean, we might have a shot at it. So we ran around the rest of the day and, and we didn't catch too much. And with about 30 minutes of fishing time left, you know, not counting the run in, we ran over, we ran back to that spot because we weren't able to catch anything else that helped us. And the birds weren't really there, but the fish were there. I mean, we sat down, put the troll motor in the water, looked out there with a panoptics unit, and uh, there was a big ball of bait that was just so tight on the forward-facing sonar that it was just like a big red sphere. And you could see these these dots under it. These, these I guess they're big spotted bass that were just running through the bait. And Tucker threw out there, and he caught a, a 3.13 spotted bass which cold us up to about 15 and a half 15 and three quarters and um while he was calling he stood back up on the front deck after he called the other fish and i hooked up and i caught a 3.28 and i put it on the scale and i was like dude we have like 16 pounds now we i mean we might we, might have <laughs> we a got a shot at this thing <laughs> yeah so we uh we made a couple more casts and decided you know it's not worth pushing it and so we cruised about 50 miles an hour back in just to play it safe and so y'all y'all heading in you know you got 16 pounds you feel pretty confident that you're going to be in the top five and then weigh in starts and take it from there so we we knew we had a good shot at doing really well and you know 16 pounds was a really good bag for that time of year on that lake and I think there was a few, a couple 16-pound bags in the previous days. So we knew we had a good shot at making some money. So we ran back in, and the guys that actually helped run the tournament came around with a handheld scale and weighed everybody's fish in a mesh bag to see how they would line up everybody in the weigh-in. So we got lined up for the weigh-in. We were in the final six, so we knew we had a good shot, and they put us second to last. So we didn't know if we had enough to win because the guys behind us looked like they had a really good bag too. And usually they put the winner at the last place, 
you know, the last, the last people to weigh in. So we didn't know for sure. We were really, really anxious and just wanting to weigh those fish. It felt like a life, you know, a lifetime just sitting there waiting to weigh those fish in. Hearts just and, pounded. I mean, yeah, mine, mine's totally pounding. Great. Norman, mine's pounding right now just listening to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up waiting to weigh our fish in and then we finally weighed our fish in and we had 1641 i'm pretty sure and you know we had we took the lead and we had a good bag and we were uh they made us stay on the stage and wait for the last person to weigh in so the last person walks up to the stage and they're building the anxiety of you know do they have enough do they have enough and they put the fish on the scale and i could barely see the numbers of the scale and i could barely just peek over the top of the weigh-in bag and see the numbers and uh the their bag weighed 19 or 1621 or something like that and we just went crazy and all the emotions came out and our family was there in the crowd they had flown in the night or the, the day before that so they came and watched the weigh-in and all the legends were up, up there on the stage with us and uh it was really just you know a life-changing moment and a dream come true and it really didn't feel real. And then we picked up the, the checks and the confetti and all the <laughs> cannons and everything started exploding. And we looked at each other and just started screaming. And it was really, you know, one of the best feelings we've ever had in our lives. <laughs> no doubt, man. I guess so. Insane. That is insane. Y'all won the tournament. I mean, you're two guys from Auburn, college fishermen. I mean, and y'all fishing against the big boys in this tournament, right? I still can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I said there were some local tournament uh, hammers in that tournament that lived on the lake too. So it wasn't like we were up against, you know, people that didn't fish a lot. There were some people that grew up fishing out there and to be able to pull it off with such great fishermen fishing that tournament was, was really cool. So you guys, you guys win a million dollars and that ain't all. What else y'all win, Tucker? Uh, we won two Toyota Tundras and two Nitro boats. So that's <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. And Tucker, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. Logan? I'm 23. My goodness, man. What a life-changing moment. I mean, what you talking about something, you guys. No matter what happens in your careers, and I know that y'all are going to have amazing careers uh, in the future and y'all are going to do some exciting things, but I mean, how do you top that? I mean, I can't make even imagine That's just our next goal is to make the elite series. There you go. Make the elite series and, um, <laughs> and continue on. That's for sure. Yes, sir. I can't imagine what, what the emotion that you guys had, the emotion your families had, uh, y'all had to be looking at each. I mean, I can imagine me and my buddy standing up there on stage, just looking at each other when we see that final weight and just, you don't know whether to laugh or cry or both at the same time. I mean, just the elation you, you guys had to feel were, was something special. That's for sure. It was, it was insane, man. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that before. It, you know, they asked me what, what was the first thing that was going through my mind and I was all choked up. I could barely talk. And I was just like, yeah, this is probably the, the, the coolest, the greatest moment of my life. And, we were both, you know, like I straight up cried on Jimmy Houston's shoulder. <laughs> Bill Dance's shoulder. They had all all of our all, all of our idols up there on stage with us. So it just made it even that more cool. And then 
our parents made the trip up so we could see their reactions out there in the crowd. And it just, uh, Oh, and I bet mama's just falling to pieces out there. Yeah, it was insane. Oh man, that is great. So, I mean, Norman, how, how impressive is that? I mean, me and you've talked about these guys before, even off the air, off, you know, just, just me and you talking and, and we've always been impressed with these two young men, but I mean, how, how amazing is this? Yeah, it's, uh, just listen to the story. It almost chokes me up. I, and I was sitting here listening to these boys and thinking, and we're about to talk about pond management. So let me say this. Uh, we're not talking about pond management today because uh, we need to talk and celebrate Logan and Tucker. And, and I, I'd love to share a story. And it's really a testimony about Logan. And uh, I, I haven't been around Tucker as much, but I've I've gotten to know Logan in the last year or so, or a couple of years or whatever it's been, Logan. And, you know, I, I've been around kids growing up in, in, in sports, my own boys, and and competing in various things. And, and, you know, I've got three boys, so I've always been around boys and young men and and, and tried to mentor and, and talk to them about, you know, give them advice as they grow toward adulthood and, and I know one of the things that I always share with my boys was, uh, guys, it, it doesn't take anything to be nice to people and to and to be respectful to people. And um, it's free to do that. And um, you just don't ever know what good's coming your way. And you don't ever know who you're dealing with and what being nice to someone or or giving someone an, a minute or some time, what it means to them. And I, I can't remember exactly how Logan and I first connected, but I know he was the president me? of the me. Oh, okay, yeah, it was you, wasn't it, Brian? That's right. It was it you. Was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I rem- I remember the first time I talked to Logan. Uh, you know, he's just telling me about what he was doing at Auburn, and and of course I'm an Auburn grad and 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 love Auburn, and and we've always tried to support you know the college and even high school. Uh, angling stuff, you know, with Southeastern Pond Management, but there was something about him. He was just such a genuine young man, and I remember he was. We were talking about you know, supporting the Auburn bass fishing team and, and and sponsoring, and and you know they were it was very professional the way that their team had gone was going about you know raising funds, and and I remember t- asking him or saying something to Logan about. A young man uh, who's a, a good family friend, the, the youngest or second to youngest son of some real good lifelong family friends. He was um, just getting up into maybe into into middle school about then, and he was starting to fish, and he really had gotten eaten up with bass fishing, and like so many of us do and or did. And uh, I mentioned it to Logan. I said, "Man." do me a favor. I, I got this kid. He's a uh, middle school age, you know, the awkward stage. I mean, trying to figure himself out, trying to fit in. And he's a huge Auburn guy and he loves bass fishing. I mean, he's nuts. We got a couple of ponds that are close by where we live. And I used to always let him go out there and fish. And he just, he just one of those kids like me when I was his age, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd fish for, for 12 hours and then go drink a bottle of water and go fish for 12 more if I, if I could, you know? And anyway, I mentioned it to Logan and, and I said, it would make his day to hear from you or if you encourage him or tell him, Hey man, I, I've been keeping up with, he was a 
Thompson High School uh, bass angler, and they've been keeping up with high school and here you're an up and comer, whatever that kind of stuff. Just encouragement talk. And uh, I, no sooner as I could get out of that mouth, get that out of my mouth, Logan just embraced that. Uh, it was really stunning for a young man to do uh, to go out of his way in his busy, busy life and uh, a college student and trying to. Uh, compete at the highest level and all the things that 21, 20, 22 year old kids have going on in their lives. It just made a huge impression on me. And I, and I think I maybe shared some of it with Logan, but he made contact with this youngster. He texted him. I think they talked on the phone. I think they met in person at Auburn. He went as far as to make him a, a Jersey, you know, a, a team Jersey, which, no way. uh, you talk about winning a million bucks and I mean, that was, that was a million bucks to that, to that kid, you know, and, and, and he did it all because he wanted to, because he cared, because it, it, it resonated with him and it just made a huge impression. And Logan, I, I know I've shared some of this with you before and, uh, so I don't mean to put you on the spot or, or make you feel awkward, but good things happen to good people. And, uh, and there was no doubt in my mind, when I first got to know you, that you were going to have a high level of success at whatever you chose to do in your life. And I still believe that even more now. And so none of this shocks or surprises me. I, it really doesn't, buddy. I just proud of you and Tucker same way. And um, I've just been so impressed with what uh, has come out of Auburn in, in terms of the bass fishing. And, you know, I know they, they went through some rough the rough deal with, with the COVID stuff and having to shut down and, you know, kind of the university getting onto them for, you know, I don't know all the details of that, but I just know these kids, uh, love fishing. And, and I know Logan understands it doesn't cost anything to be nice to people. And, uh, and he's just a, a great young man. And we've, we've had already planned to, to sponsor him for, his quest uh, to to make the the big the big boy tour, what uh, Logan? So I hope he's not going to go up on his price now. On me, uh, <laughs> that man just went up. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But but uh, he had just sent me a few weeks earlier the the boat rendering, you know, with that that they're going to wrap with SE Pond on it, and uh, I just couldn't be prouder to be associated with with you guys and. Uh, I'm I'm just tickled to death for you. I, I I think it's a you guys are great ambassadors for the sport, and you're going to continue to be. And it just re- restores faith in humanity when you see good things happen to good people, boy. Man, amen, Norman. Thank you for sharing that. That is a, a an amazing story. And like you said, that's in some ways that's more of an important story than the than the first one they told uh, because it says a lot about these guys as as young men and individuals and their character, right? And and that character and that and that drive and the love and the passion that they have uh, led to them winning this thing and and will lead to to more success, like you said, in whatever they do in their life, whether it's bass fishing or whether it's business or whatever it may be good things are going to come. And, you know, even over Thanksgiving, you know, I was talking to my dad, you know, of course, you know, my dad loves to fish, big crappie fisherman. We grew up, he's obviously some, I tell people, and Norman, I've shared this with you before, you know, we talk about baseball and we talk about wrestling, which is what I did and what, you know, what your kids do and my kids. And we've talked about all that. And, 
you know, I, I tell people all the time, go, go make some other memories with your parents besides just baseball or just wrestling. You know, my, my best memories with my dad are, are fishing. They're not, I mean, and me and my dad spent tons of time on the baseball field, but fishing and hunting with my dad, that's where my best memories are. And I was talking to my dad over Thanksgiving and I was talking about Logan and Tucker and I was like, these guys, I said, I just can't imagine. I said, I have the, cause my dad listens to the podcast and he's heard these guys and he's like, Brian, they're just so well-spoken and, 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 and polite. And you can tell they were raised right. And, and their knowledge is, is off the chart. And, and so we were having that conversation over Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, one of the things that, and, and that I wanted to, to hear from you guys on, and, and it came from that conversation with my dad. Is he's like, you know, Brian, you, you know, I listen to these guys that have been doing it for years. And of course their knowledge is, is great too, but, but how can guys 20 and, you know, 21, 22, 23 years old, how can they know as much as they know and be this good at it at such a young age? Now I'm going to tell you how I answered it. Then I wanted y'all to answer, but I'm like, the way I answered it was, you know, first y'all study it. I mean, y'all y'all watch YouTube, your generation is really good at utilizing, you know, whether it's YouTube or following somebody's channel or electronics. I mean, man, electronics to, to me is still a challenge. Uh, the new, you know, the, the different things that are available to us now that weren't when me and Norman was coming up, but Tucker, I, I mean, and, and, and I'd like for both of y'all to, to take a turn there, but what do you kind of attribute being able to have such a vast knowledge? Because because y'all didn't get lucky and win this. Y'all won consistently. Didn't y'all finish like at the top of the at college this year, collegiate tournament? Yes, sir. We we won team of the year last year as well. And so this is no fluke. I mean, y'all were team of the year last year. That's national, right? We ain't talking about just SEC. I mean, y'all are national yes, team of the year, so y'all are doing something right. How do you explain that? that y'all can have this kind of excess, what do you attribute it to? Right words that I would say was would be not lucky, but blessed. We've been put on this earth, I think, for a reason. And I think this, the reason for us to be on this earth is to fish. And I don't think without the good Lord, I don't think we'd be in this position at all. And, you know, just the support group that we have is huge. And that's the biggest thing, um, having those people behind you that support you and push you to do your best all the time is what we've had in our lives and that's that's what's helped us succeed and um you know mentors people that have been put in my life like joey nania and aaron martins and my dad and all the friends and family that have been able to show me the gift of fishing in the outdoors those have been the memories that i've you know cherished the most and using that i've been able to learn from those people and have been blessed to be able to compete and to be able to to succeed in fishing and i think that we wouldn't have been able to do this without the divine power and that i mean that's what i would say i would just say that we're super blessed to be able to do what we do and it really just especially what norman was saying with with giving back uh i think that's what people have always told me in the past and those mentors and my parents and everybody have always said you know you're gonna if you get this success you've got to give back and that's one of the most important things in this sport because you want the sport to grow and you want to you know you want it to get bigger and bigger and you want more people to join and enjoy the outdoors and 
I think that giving back is one of the best ways to share that with somebody. It really, you know, it's really just something special that you can't take for granted. Good stuff, man. That is well, very, very well said, and and amen to that, Logan. Same question to you, man. You know, first, you know, I want to say thank you, uh, Mr. Norman, for you know all those kind words that you said. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. You were one of the one of the first ones to come on board with me to help support my dream of fishing opens and making the lead series next year. And uh, I really appreciate that, you know, with the bottom of my heart, because that was, you know, before all this, this big win and everything. And I had a lot of people tell me no, and uh, you came on board and I, I couldn't thank you enough for it. But kind of going along with what you were saying, it's just so important. And what Tucker was saying, it's so important to give back. I was uh, lucky enough to be a part of starting, you know, the Auburn high school fishing team, which is still going strong today and still changing the lives of young anglers that are, you know, wanting to pursue the sport. And, uh, one of our first meetings, Jordan Lee actually came to it as a member of the Auburn university bass team and spoke to us. And me and a buddy of mine came up to him afterwards and, you know, told him that we really looked up to him and we wanted to come to Auburn and fish and be like him. And he took the time out of his busy college schedule to take us pond fishing. And uh, it really made a lasting impression on me. The fact that a busy college guy like him, that's one of the best in the world now, you know, would take the time to take a couple high school goobers pond fishing. So, you know, I want to do the same thing and, and, you know, continue to give back to the high schoolers. You know, they're the future of the sport and present them with the opportunity to want to go to Auburn. Um, That's been really just a big passion of mine to help continue to bring talent to Auburn University and carry on the legacy of the team. And uh, we definitely couldn't do it without the good Lord watching over us. I mean, those birds were diving there for a reason, and we drove by it, and we both saw it and decided to go over there for a reason. It was just like someone was telling us that's where we needed to be. And I'm a firm believer that there was a divine power going on there at that tournament and that last day, and it was really special. And, I mean, we say the same prayer every single morning before we blast off, you know, um, we've been saying it all season long and God answered it in a really big way at that tournament. Man, that's beautiful guys. And, you know, I, I think about something that my, you know, my best friend and my college roommate, uh, that went on and played 10 years for the Cincinnati Reds and then the Kansas city Royals, Scott Sullivan uh, has always said, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a biblical principle, to those who much have been given, much is expected. And it's not a burden, it's a blessing that you carry. But, you know, you guys are already doing that. Even before this big blessing, you are already giving back and, and blessing other people uh, through taking the time, whether it's with younger people and younger fishermen, high school guys that are coming up. And what a great principle that is, you know, and if you handle that the way that you guys are handling it, the blessings are just going to continue to flow. And uh, so, amen. Very well said, guys. And kind of, I know we got to wrap this up, but it's hard for me not to ask how your life's changed in the last few weeks and what's next for you guys. I would say our, our lives have been changed for sure to be able to be blessed enough to win a tournament that big. We really just love bass fishing and we like to have fun. And that's something that I've always, I've always told myself is to have fun. And that's, that's what it's all about is making memories and having fun. But moving forward, uh, I'm, I'm a sophomore at Auburn right now, and I'm trying to keep fishing for Auburn and keep traveling the country and doing what I love. And 
fish some opens as well and use that money as financial backing and um, a way to get to the pro circuit and, uh, you know, a way to make it there. And that's been the overall goal since I was a little kid to make it there. And you know, I've got some buddies that have made it there and that they, uh, they've they been inspirations to me to make it there. And that's that's really what I'm trying to put all my time and effort into is to make it to that level. Hopefully one day um, me and Logan will both be able to room together on the Elite Series. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, I would say, you know, the same thing. You know, I just want to make it to the Elite Series. I want to make it professionally, and that was always the goal. Thankfully, uh, Mr. Norman and some other people came up and, you know, sponsored me to fish next year because, I mean, I'm graduating in a couple weeks. So I was already, you know, going to be able to probably afford to fish the Opens next year, but I know you don't typically – you can't really expect to make it the first year out trying because it's a big change and the competition's stiff. And I've heard on average it takes guys, you know, three to four years to make it like good fishermen so uh this this money really gives you know both me and tucker the uh the confidence that and then the financial basis to do that for the next three to four years after we graduate and not really be super concerned about it if you have a rough year you know and some of your sponsors don't come back then it's it's still going to be okay and that's really really nice to to be confident and and know that you're not having to go out on a limb and run up a credit card that you may not be able to pay off. So that's really big for me. And just, just the exposure has been phenomenal. We can't thank you guys enough for having us on and all the other podcasts and shows we've been invited on. It's been an awesome experience. Well, we, we appreciate it. We've enjoyed having you guys on and we hope that that will continue and, and uh, just, just can't wait to see what lies ahead for you guys. I really can't because I know it's going to be phenomenal. Norman, you got anything else for him, buddy, or any anything else on the, before we let them go? You know, just it's just a remarkable story, and I just keep coming back to you know, desire and passion takes you a long way in life, and uh, this clear. Just listen, to these young men that they have such a, a desire and passion to to be a part of this this great sport and and the the maturity the their understanding they they just beyond beyond their years you know I, it's really remarkable you know for grown ups old old farts like like us uh Brian you know it's easy to look back and see where our lives took turns and you know where we learned lessons and and learned especially learning lessons about giving back and you know we've had time to to fail and get up and fail and get up and try again. And so we have perspective and, you know, again, I always talk to my kids about that. When you're young, you, you don't have a lot of perspective just because you haven't been around and, and done right. it long enough. So it is, it's really remarkable. And, uh, I'm just proud, proud for them and, and, uh, certainly big fan. So, uh, yeah, no doubt guys and, and, and guys, yeah, just a great, great group of Auburn guys too. That's what's so so awesome about it, right? But uh, hey, and, and guys, I'll just I'll just leave y'all with this. And 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 look, you you sure don't need my advice. Y'all get great advice, and obviously I've had great mentors. But you know, I, I'll just say, and it's something I've shared with my kids as they come up, whether they make a high school team or, you know, and now some are going to college. But when you're put on that pedestal 
whether it be in high school or in college or now winning events like you guys are winning, I mean, more and more eyes are on you. And, and, and I know I don't even have to say this to you guys because you're already, you already understand it. You already get it. You've already had people, you know, pray over you guys and, and, and pour into you as young men. But, you know, there's, there's definitely a responsibility that comes along with it. And, and, uh, and you're already, y'all are already doing it. I don't even, you know, so just, just keep doing what you're doing and man, the success is going to keep coming. Hey, I, what a great, what a great segment. This is, it would be really hard for me and, and Norman, we're sitting here recording this thing right now. And, and it would be hard for me to say this right here. Hasn't been the favorite segment I've ever done on this show. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too, Brian. Yeah, it really would. And we've done, I think I've done 90 something shows now. And I'm not sure that this is not my favorite segment we've done. So thank you guys for giving us your time. Uh, know y'all are busy and have a busy schedule, and we'll let y'all run with that. But, but thank y'all. Congratulations. And uh, we'll be watching you. And we'll have you on again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Norman and Mr. Brian, for having us. And we're looking forward to talking to y'all soon. All right, guys. Y'all be safe out there, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. Let's take another minute and hear from one of this week's sponsors. Fishing Chaos invites all high school and college and social fishing teams to create a free team or club on the Fishing Chaos platform. Clubs can hold tournaments within the high school team or invite rival clubs and teams to compete in CPR, which is catch photo release events, as well as live weigh-in events as Fishing Chaos supports most any tournament format. The addition of the new Fishing Chaos Club Management platform allows teams and clubs to easily communicate with their members about upcoming events. It automates the tracking of Angler of the Year or Team of the Year series standings and collects all angler results. If you're interested in setting up a free team or club or in hosting a tournament on the Fishing Chaos app, please contact Fishing Chaos today at fishingchaos.com or call Jesse Wilson at 256-508-1853. And brought to you by MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Good gracious, man. I mean, we could pretty much just hit the stop button right there. I mean, it's, it's just Norman. I mean, these, the, the guys are just impressive, not just their ability to fish, which they, I mean, to win team of the year, then qualify for this thing and, 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 and then win it. I mean, they, they don't just win some, I mean, they finish at the top, <laughs> pretty much all the time or close to it, but just the quality of young men is what's so impressive. It really is. I, it's they're genuine. They're the genuine, genuine deal. And again, I, I don't know Tucker, uh, you know, other than his association with Logan, but like I was sharing with you, I, uh, it, it was, it didn't take long, you know, when you get to be our age, you've been around kids, 
you know, as, as, as we have with our, our own families and it doesn't take long to spot a genuine article and, and, um, you know, my hat's off to, to those kids. Uh, there's a re there's a reason as they said that they're in the position they're in. And I was, you know, being around all these kids, uh, growing up. And of course our, my boys were, uh, involved in sports like yours and, and, uh, you know, you meet these, these kids that are just kind of wise beyond their years and, and they've dedicated themselves to a craft in a way that, that very few people do, even as adults. Uh, you know, these kids that, that wrestle, my, my boys wrestled at Virginia Tech, one of them's still there. And, and the dedication and the passion and the effort and the desire that you see on display day in and day out, it's really remarkable and it's, and it's extraordinary. And these kids, and they are kids. I mean, they're young men. Uh, and in the case of these wrestlers, they could tear me and you apart if they wanted to. But yeah. but the desire and the dedication to a craft, and and almost to a man, they you see those same qualities that are so evident in Logan and in Tucker. They they immediately recognize they're blessed they're 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 blessed to be able to do what they do and what they love and they immediately feel like they they're responsible and 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 want to give back to you know younger older whatever they just and it's and it's really a remarkable thing to watch i i've told a couple of the kids that i've gotten to know really well uh, the wrestlers uh, from Virginia Tech, you know, you just talk to them, and when you when you just sit around and talk to them, you know, they're just young men, they're just kids still, and they, it, but they, and they don't really quite understand the impact that they're having on the world at such a young age. Not by being great bass anglers and winning tournaments, or or great wrestlers and winning matches, but uh, just what they put on display every single day of their lives. Uh, in terms of you know their desire, their passion, and then and then to see that um, come full circle immediately, and they feel like they need and want to give back to other people. It's it's really uh, it's really awesome to see. Like I said earlier, it restores your faith in in humanity because there's a lot of stuff out there that you look at and you just shake your head, and just go, "What is this world coming to?" You know. Yeah, you're right, and and you know I I look back and and it's. As a uh, as a grown uh, adult now, you know I look back at my life and 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 at my time at Auburn, which was a special time as well for for me and and things that I wish I would have done differently. And I, I was kind of like them in a sense that, uh, and you just talked about it. You know, I, I knew that God had blessed me with an ability, right? And so from, um, you know, probably in a religious standpoint, it, it made me closer to God, I felt like, because I'm like, he's blessed me with this. But what my regret is, is that I did not take that and do what these kids are doing and reach out to high school guys or talk. I did not put the time that I wish I would have put into in blessing the next, you know, the guys that are coming next. Now, was that just because I was too caught up in me? Maybe, I, I, I don't know. Or maybe it was because they, we didn't have the avenues back then. There was no social media. We didn't even have cell phones. Well, uh, and so, and it, it, again, it gets back to that thing about perspective. And that's what's so remarkable to me about Logan, 
about Tucker, about kids like that is, uh, and, and it goes to their parents, obviously the, the people that raised them, uh, you know, that was instilled in them. You know what I'm saying? It's, it had to be right. Because no doubt. to watch a young person like that, that has, that sees the big picture that has perspective, even though, you know, Tucker's 20 years old, you know, <laughs> Logan's 20, Three. I mean, they're babies, you know, and so it's hard to imagine that they have a grasp on really what we're even talking about. But it's just intrinsic. It's just instilled in them. You know, you have to go back to their to their parents, to their faith, and their work is like I said. It's it's absolutely it's, it's it's it really is remarkable to see it, and that's what I saw. Honest to goodness, in Logan, or felt and heard, you know, really the first time I ever talked to him, and it it was just one of those things where you say that this this young man gets it, and gets uh, it. it had nothing to do with bass fishing. I mean, we talked, we've talked about fishing uh, dozens of times, and it's interesting and mind boggling to listen to him. He has so much knowledge at such a young age, it's crazy. you know, and I, it's it was intriguing. It really is, but but that's really not, that's just the vehicle for him, you know, I, and I've told some of these wrestlers this, you know, you're, you're going to be, you guys are going to be successful in whatever the heck you do. You know, you're successful as a wrestler, you're successful as a bass angler, you're going to be, you're going to be successful moving forward if you maintain that approach to life in whatever you do. I mean, you know, whether you go into accounting or manufacturing or coaching or professional bass fishing or whatever you're gonna carry you know, that and and, not a, and they're gonna be successful as yep. as dads and 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 friends and mentors and employees and just all that you know no question about it and and you know i, I have high school kids ask me you, you know mr brian how, how do how do i get to the next level you know, how do I, I want to go to college. I want to play baseball. How do I get, how do I do that? And the one thing that, that I tell them and, and your kids get this, obviously Logan and Tucker get this, but you cannot do what's expected of you and get to the next level. You have to do more. And these guys obviously get that and they do it. They don't, you can't just go to your team's practice and then shut it down and not even think about it again until the next team practice. I mean, you, you've got to do those extra things that other people aren't doing in that work ethic and that drive and that desire is the reason that Logan and Tucker have the knowledge that they have and the ability that they have. I mean, yes, they're blessed with, with some innate things that, that make them good fishermen, but it's not an accident. It's not a flute. You don't get there that way. That way. Uh, you, no. that may be a one-off tournament you win because you caught it, you know, maybe you had a, you know, a day of a you know, best day of your life, but it's from the extra work that they do, not just the work that's expected of them and, and they get it and your kids get it. And, and, um, Norman, we got to talk about, we got to get to our next segment. Well, I mean, we can talk about this all day and it is hard <laughs> to transition from that, like you said, into, into the next segment, but we've got to do it because yeah. we, we've got people that love your segment and look forward to it. And I always do as well. So let's get to the management minute segment. And what we're going to talk about today is, is aeration. And that's something yep. that, that people don't talk about a lot, but it's important. 
Yeah, for sure. And and you know, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of myth and misconception, I guess would be the way to put it, about about aeration and, and what it actually is and and what it does and when it's appropriate and when it's necessary and so you know, first and foremost I I'll kinda of lead out by this. Most of the ponds that we deal with, and we certainly deal with thousands, tens of thousands of lakes from, you know, an acre to several hundred acres, the vast, vast majority of those uh, really don't need artificial aeration. Uh, they they don't require it in, that, in order to survive and thrive. And uh, whereas aeration, artificial uh, aeration is is a requisite in say in aquaculture and in, in, in production operations it's really not in classic sport fish pond management and there are several reasons for that but the primary one is that the average pond that we work on has maybe 300 350 maybe 400 pounds of fish per acre you know that's a well fertilized pond uh, bass and bluegill, you know, you add threads and shad in there, it might up that a bit, but point is it's, it's a few hundred pounds to the acre that are being sustained by this body of water. And when you look at aquaculture, at fish production, uh, you're talking about thousands, in some cases up to several thousand, even seven, eight, nine, ten thousand pounds of fish. Now what you're talking about right there in in case people you're talking about the catfish industry, pretty much, for the most part, right? Well it just yeah and all all aquaculture. In this part in these parts, yeah, it's it's catfish primarily. But hatcheries. But that's right. And you know, in in our case it's threats and shad, you know, is primarily what we're trying to grow in our ponds. And but when you uh, ratchet up the density the, the, to, from hundreds of pounds per acre to thousands of pounds per acre. One, you increase the, the what we call the BOD, the biological oxygen demand on the water. So you got more more critters out there vying for oxygen. You got more waste material, way more being produced, you, which is which is organic material that decomposes and breaks down and produces all sorts of gases and, and, and essentially consumes oxygen in that decomposition process. So it, you, it's really apples to oranges. It's not even apples to oranges. It's, it's apples to cement blocks. You know, you're dealing with a completely different animal altogether. So when folks ask us about aeration, that's kind of the spiel we give them. Aerating a, a sport fish pond uh, or for that matter, an aquaculture uh, lake pond is is really expensive. It, it's in order to to impact the dissolved oxygen over an acre of water that's several feet deep. It takes roughly a horsepower per acre is kind of a rough rule of thumb. So if you've got a ten acre lake, you got to have ten horsepower worth of electrical paddle wheel slash whatever type of aeration, heavy electricity uh, takes a lot of energy to move that equipment and to move the amount of water to churn the amount of water that it that's required to really make a difference. Okay, you drop a little a little fountain that shoots up eight or ten feet in the 
in the middle of the lake or 20 feet in the middle of the lake. It's just, it's, it looks good and it's moving water, but it's really not doing anything, Brian. Mm-hmm. So we, we always tell folks this, fountains move a tiny amount of water a great distance and it's a visual effect. You know, they move a small amount of water, a few gallons of water a long way, 20, 30 feet up in the air. You know, it looks pretty and all that good stuff. True aeration moves massive amounts of water, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of gallons of water, a very short distance, okay? Because that's way more efficient in terms of adding oxygen to the water itself. So really, most people, uh, that's the misconception about aeration. What really does it take to truly aerate, to add oxygen to a, a large body of water. Uh, and so what we tend to pivot to, and this gets a little bit technical, but in most cases, what we talk to our customers about is there's benefit to what we call destratification, as opposed to focusing on aeration. And there's a difference. Aeration is adding oxygen to the water, basically forcing water up into the air where it can latch on to oxygen molecules that are in the atmosphere that are in the you know in the air and uh, crash back down to the water with more oxygen than 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 they left than it left the water. Destratification is a completely different process. It's not really adding oxygen to the water. There's a systematic way to go about increasing the amount of water in a pond that has oxygen in it. And so here's here's how this works. Uh, everybody's familiar with jumping into a pond or Lake Lay Lake or Lake Martin even in the summertime, and the water down at your feet is chilly. And the water up around your chest is, is feels like bath water, and in a pond that's particularly uh, uh, pronounced. Tip in the summertime, especially in the warm weather months, and what that is is it's a stratification. It's a thermal stratification. Warm water is less dense than cold water. The warm water sits at the top, is the top layer. The sun's beating down on it, keeping it warm. As you get deeper down to the water column, that top layer of water insulates the lower layer of water, which is colder and and more dense, so it tends to want to stay down lower. And over time, in the summer particularly, we don't have a lot of wind, don't have a lot of rain, those layers don't mix, and it can be pretty profound. You you can actually measure it with a probe, with an oxygen probe, or uh, or with a temperature probe. Logan and Tucker are really familiar with the thermocline. Okay, you can see it on a graph uh, because that that equipment, that sonar equipment, is so sensitive it can actually read the difference in the density of the water, uh, and and you can actually see what they call the thermocline, which is kind of where those two layers separate. And it, here's the thing: below that thermocline, in that cold water in the summertime, not only is it colder. But it's also devoid, more or less devoid of dissolved oxygen. So fish can't live down there, and they don't live down there. They, 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 there's not enough oxygen for them to live. And so one of the things that we run into that leads to the question, well, do I need to put aerators in, is the, you get these summertime turnovers, okay? And a lot of times what causes that is you have 
thermally stratified, thermally and chemically stratified pond, hot, hot summer day, day after day after day, all of a sudden you get one of these massive uh, cold water thunderstorms. Lots of wind, lots of water coming out of the sky, lots of cold water coming out of the sky in a very short period of time, and it forces a mixing of, of the layers. And the result of that mix is water that overall has too little oxygen for fish to survive, and boom, you get a fish kill. And so folks say, well, i, I got to have aeration. Well, the truth of the matter is, the top layer before that thunderstorm came blowing in, it had plenty of oxygen. There's right. nothing an aerator would have done. It's already saturated with oxygen. Okay, so the solution that we offer, and we install these, is a destratification system. And I know we're going long here, but basically a destratification system, again, moves massive amounts of water a very short distance. And it does it by, we use compressed air, shoreline-mounted compressor, okay, in a, in a cabinet, usually centrally located on a lake, and we take pretty inexpensive uh, plastic tubing and we run it all across the bottom of the lake to various strategic spots where we set up basically glorified air stones. It's like what you see in an aquarium, except for they're much, much bigger. And we pump that, that air from that compressor through, those, through that tubing to these various air stones. And the air comes through the stone, breaks into millions of little tiny, tiny bubbles. And is that, is that uh, air makes its way to the surface, what's it doing? It's displacing water as it moves. It's creating a gentle current. It's moving lots and lots of water just by virtue of that air coming up uh, from the bottom to the top. When it gets to the top, it's just a little uh, raised plume of air. You know, it looks like a, just kind of a boil. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like a, an area size of a pickup truck bed that's just kind of boiling, raising up a, an inch or so above the surface of the water. <clears throat> and so what we, what we effectively do is we, we eradicate by, by moving all that water all the time, by taking that cold water at the bottom and forcing it up top and, and therefore taking the warm water up top and forcing it down the bottom. We create this, this current effect and we effectively eliminate stratification in a pond. So now uh, you get these, this massive thunderstorm in the summertime where you get this heavy wind, heavy rain all of a sudden. Well, there's nothing to mix. The water has the same oxygen it's at the, the bottom already. as it does. It's already equalized. So you eliminate the opportunity for there to be what we call a turnover. And, uh, and so it's not really aeration, okay? You're not really adding oxygen to the water. There's a little bit of, of oxygenation from those bubbles, but not much. It, that's not the point of it. The point of it is to move water. A, that's, that move water. Keep that stratification from setting up, that thermal and chemical stratification, so that now when you lower an oxygen or a, uh, or a temperature probe from top to bottom, there's not much difference. It's pretty much consistent throughout. Those systems are far more efficient and much, much more economical. You're talking about 
on a large lake, on a 10-acre lake, he can operate one of these rotary vane compressors. They're quiet. They're in these steel cabinets, insulated, you know, for $30, $40 a month, 50 bucks a month tops, running 24-7. You know, you run an aerator, one of these big bank-mounted paddle-wheel aerators. You're talking about hundreds of dollars a day, a day, just to to operate them. Just to operate them. And, and, you know, I've I've seen – you know, I, I had a buddy up in Belzona, Mississippi, big catfish farmer, and, and, you know, I'd stay with him in the, in the summer times and, and work on the, on the catfish farm with him. And, you're, you know, at, at night on those, on those certain nights and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're getting up, you're checking oxygen levels, mm-hmm. and then you got to, you know, like you said, the storms and the wind and all that, man, you're out there with tractors backing paddle wheels down. Everybody's in an emergency trying to, trying to get that the oxygen levels back up and as, as quick as you can. But that's a different situation. Like you said, they got three, four, five thousand fish per acre, pounds per acre in those, yes. in those ponds. And they're trying they're to dumping, achieve, right. And they're trying to achieve dumping, something different. You know, hundreds of. Yeah, absolutely. And they're dumping hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fish a day of uh, fish food a day in there to feed these jokers. That's and right. and, and it, it's a completely different animal. Listen, it and it's necessary. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, these guys are not spending tens of thousands of dollars a piece on these aerators and and hundreds of dollars a day to operate them just to for the fun of it's it. Necessary. I mean, they, you know, it, it's necessary. But, but but to do that in a sport fish lake is is almost always unnecessary and it's and it's so impractical. And so in cases where we run into these these you know, nine out of ten fish kills in ponds, oxygen related fish kills in ponds are a result of a turnover. A turnover. We see them in the summertime when the water when the when the intensely stratified sometimes we see them in the fall this time of the year early in the fall especially when all of a sudden the temperature the air temperature drops 30 40 50 degrees in a matter of hours or a day or two so all of a sudden this water up top just cools down so rapidly that it starts to sink you know water actually sinks down you know because cold water is more dense than warm water. Water is one of the the most unique things. It's remarkable to me. Water actually gets more dense the colder it gets until it gets to freezing. And all of a sudden, when it gets to freezing, gets what does dense. ice do? In it floats. Of water. It gets less dense. Ice floats. That's right. That's crazy. And so it's really it's a it's a it's nuts. Uh, and thank goodness that it was designed that way, right? Good Lord knew he's doing. Imagine if lakes froze from the bottom up. You yeah. know, you wouldn't have any life in lakes, you know. And so, but they don't. And so, but for the most part, right up until freezing, cold water is more dense than than, than warm water. And, uh, you know, you can take a glass of warm water and take a glass of ice cold water with green food coloring in it and pull you up some of that ice green water in in a in a little dropper and drop you a couple of drops into the top of that warm water and you'll watch that droplet of green colored cold water it'll it'll drop through that uh, warm water like a stone you know it'll warm up eventually you know because of all the warm water around it but yeah but uh, well, yeah so that, that's what's seen, going on in ponds I, I think i've only seen one time and i believe 
and, and Norman, I can't remember exactly where I was. I was in one of those, you know, pay fish oper- trophy bass operation lakes over in West. I, was it Dream Lake? It was over around Livingston somewhere, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and I, they they had they have those right right. And I saw and the I saw that systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. but but you just did an excellent job of describing. Cause I'm like, what is that aerator? And so in my mind, yep. I'm like, okay, that's there to add oxygen, oxygen. to the water, but right. that's not what it's there for. But it's there to move. That's right the water. in a roundabout way. And it and and the thing again, these things run twenty four seven. You don't turn them on and off. If you turn them off, then what happens? Well, that stratification starts to set up. You don't want that. We have cases where, and this is getting in the weeds here, but we have cases where maybe the compressor goes out in the middle of the summer, and it takes us a few days to get it back running. Maybe we need parts or we need to replace the compressor or whatever. Well, all of a sudden, in the two or three, four days that it takes to get this thing back running again, you got a stratification set up. So now, all of a sudden, if you turn that that destratification system on, you're essentially creating a turnover. So you have to do it carefully. You know, and, and so we install these things in the summertime. We have to install those stones over a period of time, we prefer to install them in the winter where it doesn't matter. Because in the wintertime, all this stuff right. that I'm talking about, doesn't term matter. stratification goes away. You get same temperature top to bottom. That's why in the wintertime, you can go catch fish in 40 feet of water in your pond. You know, uh, that, brings up, that, that brings up my next question. And this, is, and this is a question that, you know, relates to fishability uh, of a pond. So, you know, you, you see... Uh, a pond like Dream Lake that has a trophy managed lake. So, so two things. One is, yeah, they don't want turnover. They don't want a fish kill in their pond, obviously. So that's mm-hmm. that's number one. But number two, does it make the pond more fishable? Like you said, you get in a pond in the summertime, in the heat of the summer, you can fit. I mean, you can feel it. It's obvious. And the in in that thermocline right there, maybe there's only five foot, right? above mm-hmm. the thermocline mm-hmm. the thermocline could be five feet down if you've got these these deals that you're talking about installed in your pond then that thermocline is gone which allows mm-hmm. you to the it would allow the fish in my mind to to obviously be to be in different depths of the lake would that be mm-hmm. correct that is absolutely correct so you know does that enhance angling or does it make it more challenging you know it's probably a different answer for 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 every lake you know you spread the fish out a lot more you give them more area that they can occupy so does that make them maybe a little harder to target it could could um yeah. same time it also might congregate them in some cooler water where they can get away from the heat which they would prefer you know they don't necessarily like living in 90 degree or 88 degree water that's above the thermocline but they don't have much choice because they can't breathe down below that. So one thing that we notice uh, almost always in a lot of these lakes that we install these destratification systems in, uh, they're also called airlift system or airlift diffusing uh, air diffuser systems, is um, a lot of them have threads and shad in them. So many of our lakes now, you know, we stock threads and shad. They're such great forage for bass and and uh the shad because they love current 
and water movement, really all fish do, but shad in particular, will congregate in these upwells, in these uh, these airlift areas, but then they're feeding. You know, they're using the current to to help push plankton around, which they're uh, feeding on. And uh, and obviously, and you know, naturally, the the predators go to where the prey are. Right? What Logan and Tucker were talking about. You know, there's a reason they're looking for bait balls because that's where the the bass are. Right? So you so in that sense, um, we we routinely hear stories about man it's you know i can run crankbaits through those air plumes and and get bit in the summertime and what it is is those shad are congregated and schooled up and those bass are laying around them under them around them looking for opportunity to feed right uh, so in that sense i think it does improve the the angling you know well how is um, how expensive and i know like you said man these 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 aerators you see in these catfish ponds or and things i mean they they're they're expensive mm-hmm. and they're expensive to run and Crazy. expensive to purchase you know what are yeah. what are we looking at as far as if somebody is interested in putting this in their in their in their bass light it's a fraction of the cost so you know it's hard to say exactly because there's variables like you know how's the lake shaped so there's a little more to installing these things and maybe I've oversimplified it a little bit. The The efficiency of these airlift systems is based on the water depth. Okay, so we're putting the same amount of energy into pushing air into an air stone that's in five foot of water depth as we are to pushing air to a, a stone that's in 10 foot of water depth. But we have five more feet to move water in the case of the 10-foot depth than we do in the 5-foot depth. So the efficiency is way greater the deeper we can locate these stones. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a survey, a bottom graph, and basically determine, essentially looking for deeper holes right. and, and have to locate these things. And there are some lakes that are so darn shallow that it's really difficult to, to you would think a shallow lake it, it kind of is intuitive, I guess, to say, well, we only need, you know, three or four stones to move all this water. It's shallow, five-acre shallow lakes, got half as much water in it. By but you're moving as half as much. As <laughs> exactly. So so it might turn out that you've got to put twice as many stones in a shallow five-acre lake as you do in a deep 10-acre lake. So it's a li- it gets a little bit tricky in terms of design. So you don't really ever, it's hard to say what the cost, but I'll say this, you know, typically you're talking about a couple of thousand dollars to get you started, you know, three, four, five thousand bucks for a de-stratification system gets you a long way. I'm not going to say you can do every lake in the world for that, but, but I promise you three, four, five thousand bucks doesn't even get you started with surface aeration. I mean, you're talking about you get a five or or a 10 horsepower, three phase paddle wheel, bank mounted paddle wheel aerator, a 10 10 horsepower. You're probably talking about eight or 10,000 bucks just to install the thing. Yeah. It doesn't even talk about what it costs to run it. To run it. You know, so whereas these things for for three or four or five thousand bucks, you know, you can buy a lot of underwater tubing and, and, you know, these compressors are not terrible. And, you know, the cost of operation is, 
you know, a, a couple of dollars a day tops. You know, they're just very, very efficient. And it's not like a compressor that you think of like in a tire shop, okay? Because we're not, <clears throat> these are rotary vane compressors. They're not, we're not trying to generate a lot of pressure. You know, we're, we're trying to create air volume. So we need enough pressure to, for the air to be able to force the air down 10, 12, 15, 20 feet deep. You know, we got to have enough pressure to do that. Right. But beyond that, we don't we don't need you know fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred pounds right. per square inch. Like you know, and 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 these compressors are not loud. Like they're it's just a different tool altogether. We talk about compressors, and everybody thinks of a yeah, like your tire shop. Tire right. shop. That's right. It's a little different machine. They're quiet. They just chug along, and they just run all the time, and they just produce a little air. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and they yeah. So they're they're neat systems. We've installed lots of them over the years. No doubt they have saved lots and lots of turnovers. And uh, you know, in terms of an insurance policy, uh, if you got a lot invested in 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 your in your lake and your fish, like so many of our customers do, it's probably a, a worthwhile venture. Well, and that's what I and that's where my mind went, Norman. And and is that you know if you if you've got a lake that you're really managing and you're spending money on the fertilized, the liming, the thread fin shad, the bluegill, the feed, everything that goes along with with it, it's an insurance policy, right? I mean, you know, for a couple yeah. thousand bucks, now you know that you're not going to lose those fish to a turnover if you get one of those summertime storms that roll up. So, yeah. and this has been very informative and, and, and educational for me, for sure. And, uh, and I know it is for the listeners as well. So, uh, Norman, if somebody is interested in, in learning more about this or not just that, but any of the things that you guys, you guys provide so many services, whether it's stocking fish or, or fertilized lime animal, we've talked about so much on here and, and y'all do it all. So what's the best way for somebody to contact you? Our website, sepon.com. There's a bunch of ways folks can contact us directly through the website. My cell phone number is a great way to track me down, 205-288-1371. Please, definitely reach out to us. Give us a call. We'd love to work with you. All right, Norman. Hey, guys, y'all reach out. And these guys at Southeast Pond Management, Norman, and all the people that work for him, they're doing an incredible job. And, and uh, if, you, if you reach out and, and – Get these guys on your pond. You you won't regret it. I guarantee you. So, Norman, man, thank you for joining me at the first of the show. I just wanted you to be part of that, and 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 I'm so glad you were. What a great segment, and uh, man, we look forward to having you on again soon, brother. Yeah, well, same here, and I appreciate you including me. I, that was a thrill for me too to listen to those kids. You can just, and I keep calling them kids. They're certainly young men. I don't mean to to no, be disparaging. Right. You know what I'm saying? But oh, yeah. they're. Uh, they're inspirational to listen to and you can just see the you can just hear the excitement in their voices it's uh that's what it's all about man that's what it's all about man all right norman we appreciate it man we'll talk to you again soon brother okay take care see you all right bye all right guys let's take another few minutes and hear from some of our sponsors Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water if you own or run a boat you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts 
or even paddle boats and all things in between at boaterslist.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by northalabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight pictures lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, golly, man, I can't say enough about this week's show. And I said it earlier in the show, that first segment we did, and we've done 90 shows now, 90-something shows, I think, uh, for Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. And that, that, that's got to be my favorite. I've got to be my favorite. And uh, don't mean that to any of the other great no disrespect to any of the other great people we've had on, because we've had some unbelievable guests and unbelievable segments on here, but, but that was truly special. And so I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as I did hosting it, but we got to do it. That's going to be a wrap for this week's show. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you listen. And if you would like us to email you the podcast, all you got to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we'll email you the show each and every week so you'll make sure and won't miss a thing. Hey guys, appreciate y'all listening. Stay safe out there. Talk to you again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and, and give Norman a call. And brought to you by BM Pole Company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook, and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com.